This is Paul Adamson, and I'm in conversation with Jonathan Powell. Jonathan Powell is the former Chief of Staff of Tony Blair from 1994 to 2007, including Blair's 10-year premiership. He was also, during those 10 years, the British Chief Negotiator on Northern Ireland. He now is the founder and director of an NGO dealing with conflict resolution. Now, Jonathan, we're going to talk about, obviously, Brexit, but also specifically the issue of the, the so-called Howard border between Northern Ireland and uh, the Republic of Ireland. And that's one of the key issues that Michel Barnier is focusing on in the Article 50 negotiations, as you know, alongside budget and citizens' rights. But let's go back to the beginning. You were intimately involved in the negotiations leading up to the peace agreement. Um, what, was, what changed as a result of the Good Friday Agreement in terms of border and border management between the two countries? Well, the worst of the troubles and violence was going on for those 30 years. The border was almost completely blocked. Uh, we put a series of concrete blocks on all the small roads crossing it. Remember, it's nearly 300 miles long, making it extraordinarily inconvenient for people and really separating the two areas off because we had to because of the terrorists coming backwards and forwards across the border. And the point about the Good Friday Agreement and the peace process that it was part of was to make that border irrelevant, to really remove it. If you go now to Northern Ireland, you won't be able to tell where the border is. Many of these rural roads cross the border several times and you'll see no sign of it. And it allows crucially, uh, to solve the question of identity. The issue of Northern Ireland was about Catholics in Northern Ireland wanting to feel that they were Irish, and the uh, Unionists in Northern Ireland wanting to feel they were British. With the border irrelevant, they could do that. We were both in the EU, we had the same rules for everything. The border was not relevant. You could feel Irish. We solved that issue of identity. And the problem that's happened now is, by bringing back the border, we've raised that issue of identity all over again. We, we brought back that issue because the, the government insisting on uh, the United Kingdom leaving the Customs Union. Customs correct? Union and the single market. Now, Tony Blair and John Major, no great political friends, both went to Northern Ireland during the election campaign to make the case that if we left the European Union, there would be a big problem between Ireland, North and South because we would have to put a hard border back in. The Northern Ireland Secretary at the time, a Tory Brexiteer, Theresa Villiers, went out and uh, asserted this was completely untrue. And since then, we've had Tory politicians saying again and again there will be no hard border. But they have absolutely no way of explaining how they're going to avoid having a hard border. If Britain is outside the single market, if Britain is outside the customs union, we will have a different customs policy. You will have to have a hard border because how else can you avoid having a great big back door into the European Union? How else can Britain reclaim its borders, as we promised during the campaign? But it does seem that the E27, uh, both informally and also in terms of its position papers and statements since the Article 50 discussions got off formally quite recently, uh, and, and the Republic of Ireland and even maybe parties in the, in the province are saying that there must be some kind of special arrangement, some kind of creative thinking around, around this issue. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Everyone's trying to avoid the inexorable consequences of Brexit by trying to find a way around it. But most of the ideas that have been put forward so far by way of imaginative thinking are laughable. They have the idea at the moment of three red routes, and all trucks will have to follow these three red routes into Northern Ireland and be checked on those three red routes. We're dealing with an area that's been the centre of smuggling for centuries and certainly for decades. And the notion that Slab Murphy, uh, the former uh, senior figure in the IRA, is going to follow the red route to bring his produce across the border is an absolute joke. Uh, you will have to have a serious border. If you're going to have a, a different customs policy inside Northern Ireland than you have in the Republic of Ireland, if you're going to have a different immigration policy in Northern Ireland than you're going to have in the Republic of Ireland, you will have to have a hard border of one form or another. And however imaginative you are, 
about it. That is going to create real problems. It creates problems of identity. And it, by the way, it sets up targets for the remaining dissident terrorists. If you put a customs post and people are saying it will be 10 miles away from the border, it doesn't make any difference. You're still going to have a poor customs man there in his uniform as a nice target for these dissident Republicans to kill. And we really don't want that again. Is there, are there any, is there any scope for people who are regularly across the border? I understand most, most of the traffic across the border is on a daily basis. People you know, travel and commute to go to work. These people would be known. They could be given some kind of pre-vetting status so they could just go through without any, any checks at the border itself. I don't think you'll have passport checks at the border. You, you won't need to have that. Uh, that. That's not really the problem. The, the problem is um, that you cannot have the open border we have at the moment. And when you do that, you undermine the basis of the Good Friday Agreement, which we spent a lot of time negotiating over, frankly, decades, because it took another decade to put it into effect. Uh, and to throw all that away uh, over this issue would be would be terribly sad. It doesn't mean we're going to go back to the violence of the Troubles again. Of course that's not going to happen. But it just raises this political question that we had parked for a generation and puts it back on the agenda. The new Irish Taoiseach, the Prime Minister, Leo Varadkar, has recently said, and I'm more or less quoting, we do not want an economic border between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. Do, do, do you see any signs of the, the Irish government itself putting forward suggestions on how to deal with this seemingly intractable well, the Irish government and the EU and the British government are scratching their head, the civil servants, and trying to think of a way of resolving this problem. I, I tried scratching my head, but I, frankly, the only thing I can think of that's going to solve this problem is Britain, or at least Northern Ireland, remaining in the single market and remaining in the customs union. As soon as we leave the single market, as soon as we leave the customs union, there will have to be a hard border of one form or another. Well, let's move to maybe more recent and maybe more controversial issue, which is, of course, the, the position of the, the DUP, the Democratic Unionist Party, and, it, and the government's uh, new arrangement, should we call it, between the, the two sides who keep the, the May government with some kind of workable majority in the House of Commons. I know you have rather strong views about the fact that this arrangement is now coming into effect. Could you explain a bit why? What are your reservations are? Well... Uh, the agreement they've come to largely is just a matter of money. It's about giving a billion extra pounds to Northern Ireland, which creates problems with Scotland and Wales, but that's manageable. We can live with that. The problem is a much bigger one, that it is undermining the role the British government has tried to play for the last, actually, three decades or more, where since 1991, the British government has been neutral between unionists and republicans and nationalists in Northern Ireland. We've said we can live with any outcome they can live with. Uh, to give up that role is a problem because the British government, along with the Irish government, played the role of building the Good Friday Agreement and then overcoming the problems to its implementation. And every time it's collapsed since then, it's been those two governments who, as neutral parties, have managed to uh, bring it back to life again. Now we have the problem of a British government that depends for its existence on one party, the DUP, the Unionist Party, and they can pull the government down any day they choose to do so, any day they change their minds on the voting issues that the, British, the current government of Theresa May will be out the window. So that means that you can't possibly have a neutral British uh, minister negotiating. And they've made great play in their document of saying constitutional issues are separate. It's nothing to do with what's on the piece of paper. It is the fact that the government knows and the other negotiating parties in Northern Ireland know that this government can be brought down by the DUP. Therefore, nothing the DUP does not want will get through any negotiation in Northern Ireland. And that is a problem. We're giving up this neutral role that has been so successful for so long, uh, and I can't see anyone else who can take it over. Are you suggesting, then, therefore, that what the, the two sides have agreed now in the past few days is, in effect, a, a work in progress, that the, the, the DUP is quite 
uh, entitled almost as quite based on its, its past form to come back to the main government and say yes we had this deal histor- historically uh, arrived at a few days ago but now we have a new concern it may even be actually surrounding money the, 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 the initial investments we call it the, the government has, has, uh, has promised to the, the province may have to be increased no, I, they may come back and ask for more money at a later stage. In fact, they're already hinting that in two years' time they will come back and ask for uh, tax breaks for Northern Ireland in terms of corporation tax, in terms of the tourist tax. So there are various tax breaks they're going to be asking for in two years' time. They're already flagging up and the and government's agreed to set up various uh, bodies to look at that. That, I don't think, is a terribly important issue. I, it may be wise or unwise, but that's not really the issue I'm worried about. The issue I'm worried about is that uh, sort of Damocles hanging over the government the whole time that will make it impossible for them to be a neutral facilitator, an honest broker in Northern Ireland. And that role has been crucial uh, throughout the period of the Good Friday Agreement and its implementation. And we now have a political crisis in Northern Ireland. We have no uh, executive in place. Maybe by the deadline of Thursday they'll get an executive up. I hope to goodness they do so. But if they don't, who is going to be the fair arbiter who's going to go between the two sides and make this work. It can't be the Tory government because they are in hoc to the DUP. OK, we have to leave it there. I'll just say at the end, Jonathan, that listeners to this podcast should be aware of a great book you wrote about the whole process called Great Hatred, Little Room, Making Peace in Northern Ireland. A fascinating read. Jonathan Powell, thank you very much for your time. Thank you.